lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Aaron McIntyre. And Todd Erzin and all of you at 888-900-3393. That's the number. 888-900-3393. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And if you're looking for samples of this show, free ones, in fact, that you can sample yourself and then share with others, go to youtube.com slash Steve Dace. That's youtube.com slash Steve Dace. Coming up here on a Tuesday, we're going to discuss making mental illness go mainstream. A new book wants to take on that subject, the latest craze, and we mean that literally in all of America, gender dysphoria, where you're not even now permitted, if your name is Halle Berry, you can't even portray someone with mental illness unless you yourself possess it as well. Sounds legit. Fake news or not, I'm going to walk you through the difference between a pandemic and a scamdemic, all right? with numbers that, frankly, you ought to be getting from your White House every single day now. But you're not. But maybe if we share them enough with all of you, someone over at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue will get the message. Also, we'll play uh, our weekly game known as well of Pop Culture Tuesday. I just, I went to the theater here in town over the weekend, that's right, in one of the few free states in America right now, Iowa, went and saw The Dark Knight Rises at the IMAX. Holy cow. I mean, I, I, I was like looking over my shoulder. I mean, I had the hair in the back of my neck stood up. I got chills. It was like prophecy on screen. I, I could not believe how much of what we are going through right now, this movie called eight years ago. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So we'll talk about that and more coming your way. But first, here is Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. The, the interesting thing is this president will do more in the next four weeks than Joe Biden and his team did in the last 40 years. And so you just need to stay tuned because starting this week, you'll see executive orders. You'll see business that actually goes forward from the Oval Office. Uh, when Congress doesn't act, this president is going to make sure that he order, Mark? Well, we've got a number of executive give orders. Give us a hint. Deals, I'll give you a couple of hints. All right. So uh, a sneak preview here. We're going to be looking. Looking at how we make sure that China is addressed, how we bring manufacturing back from overseas to make sure the American uh, uh, worker is supported. We're also going to look at a number of issues as it relates to immigration. We're going to look at a number of issues as it relates to prescription drug prices, mm. and we're going to get them done when Congress couldn't get them done. President Trump tweets, schools must open in the fall. Well, 
Well, here's hoping. Florida released some data on the supposed spike in coronavirus cases from the state. One chart they produced, shown here, shows the extremely stark contrast in who's getting infected by age and who's the most likely to die by age. And of course, the vast majority of those being infected are younger people, while the vast majority of people dying are elderly. Also, excess deaths in Florida still haven't reached the levels of the 2018 flu season, And we're in July now, so... Nationally, the U.S.'s case fatality rate from COVID is now the lowest amongst France, Germany, the United Kingdom, and Italy. CNN just wanted to do another segment of panic porn when the mother of all metaphors happened. They could have completely filled ICU beds. No For those of you listening, what we're watching is a CNN correspondent reporting live from a California beach when a homeless man walks into the frame behind her, drops his pants, and drops something else. You may remember Dr. Scott Jensen. He's the Minnesota state senator and practicing medical physician who recently has, among other things, talked about the way COVID deaths are being coded on death certificates and discussed the effectiveness or lack thereof of cloth masks over the weekend he released the following statement less than a week ago i was notified by the board of medical practice in minnesota that i was being investigated because of public statements i had made they listed two allegations they said i've been spreading misinformation in regards to the completion of death certificates on a news program which happened to take place on april 7th and you could find that one it was with chris berg if you wanted to and the other allegation was that i provided reckless advice in my willingness to compare covid 19 and the flu when i got this letter i was ticked and quite frankly i leaned into the comfort and wisdom of my family to help them let them walk me talk me off the cliff but doggone it if this can happen to me my view is it could happen to every, anybody. If you're wondering how the reopening of schools process is going in New York City, this was a recent New York City Education Council meeting. I would like you to don't know have people telling you that. I would like to know before this meeting adjourns how having my friend's nephew on my lap was hurtful to people and was racist. Can you I, please I, explain? I, Tom, I, I've explained it to you. You can uh, Google, you can read a now. book. Read a book. Read a book. Ibram Kendi, read white fragility, read how to talk to white people. No, 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 it's not my job to educate you. You're an educated white man, and you can read a book. My friend is going to educate you. Harvard University announced yesterday they'll be offering online-only classes for this coming fall semester. Tuition in the range of $50,000 will remain unchanged. The Associated Press tweets, New York hospitals released more than 6,300 recovering coronavirus patients into nursing homes at the pandemic's height. But state officials say the policy wasn't to blame for a high nursing home death toll and point to staffers who worked while infected. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is, I thought nurses were heroes or something. Actor Terry Crews went on CNN with Don Lemon to talk about what he believes to be the farce of Black Lives Matter, the organization. So if you're talking about, um, if, if someone started a movement that said, uh, cancer matters, and then someone comes in and says, why aren't you talking about HIV? It's not the same thing. We're talking about cancer. So the Black Lives Matter movement is about police brutality and injustice in that manner, not about what's happening in black neighborhoods. If you, there are people who are working on that issue, 
And if you want to start that issue, why don't you start it? Do you understand what I'm but, saying? But when you look, but when you look at the organization, police brutality is not the only thing they're talking about. I know that. Uh, I agree, uh, but that's not what the Black Lives Matter movement is about, Terry. Black Lives Matter is about police brutality and about and about criminal justice. It's not about what happens in, in communities when it comes to crime, black on black crime. And finally, comedian Ryan Long has probably the best take on tribalism in quite some time. Hi, I'm John. And I'm his roommate, Ron. Together, we are defined by, by Trump. Trump. Trump just tweeted out our new opinion on corona numbers. I was just wondering what we thought of that. I realized early on that instead of taking the time to formulate opinions and a perspective, it was much easier to find out what Donald Trump says and angrily disagree. Or in my case, enthusiastically agree. Once I know he's right, I don't have to think anymore. Just Google Street View to see if the wall is there yet. Still no. We'll get it by his fourth term, though. Hi, MS-13. Just wondering if one of your generals are available to babysit my nephews. Trump's opinions are always changing, so ours are too. And that's what happened while we were away. If we've learned anything about our health over the last few months, it's to take as much responsibility for it on our end as we can, rather than leaving it up to the <coughs> experts. All right, preventative health. Something too many Americans, and I used to be in this camp as well, too many Americans have overlooked, and that's why you want to look at products like Field of Greens from our friends over at Brickhouse Nutrition. One scoop has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. That's frankly more than the average American gets in a given day, unfortunately. But that's the stuff you need because it boosts a healthy and necessary immune system. Plus, a diet rich in fruits, fruits and vegetables can reduce your risk of heart disease, hypertension, and a whole host of other health issues. Field of Greens also is prebiotic, probiotic, and a great source of vitamins, fiber, and other nutrients. And right now, you can save 15% off your first order when you use the promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com to get 15% off your first order. And then if you decide, hey, we like this product, we want to subscribe, they'll take another 10% off each and every month. So again, if you want to get those discounts, promo code Steve at BrickHouseSteve.com. Coming up uh, in the overtime today, <clears throat> pardon me, I'm having all kinds of allergy issues with my voice today, so just be aware you may hear that sound a lot. Um, coming up in the overtime today, we are going to discuss whether I'm wrong about something. And, and I might be, but, but I don't see how Donald Trump wins if we have... 11 to 12% unemployment. The kids in most places are not back in school. The churches in most places are not open. And sports and entertainment are still canceled. I, I, don't, I don't see how he wins that argument. But I, I, I might be wrong. So that's what we're going to discuss today for the overtime. BlazeTV.com slash Dace. Again, that's blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to subscribe to Blaze TV so that you don't miss the overtime that we do exclusively for Blaze TV subscribers. And if you're one of those, thank you. Just go there later today and it will be posted for you at blazetv.com slash dace. Let's get to the rest of Aaron's montage. And he lives. How long has Mark Meadows been on that job? Months. Does it, is that like the first time you can recall? seeing him out in front of the White House setting the agenda as the chief of staff? 
It is the first I can recall. Yeah. All right. So, you know, we have an official policy on this show that we, we either don't analyze or address or disseminate stories about or from this White House based solely on anonymous sources, right? We just, we've been, uh, Lucy's pulled the football away so often that we just, those stories don't exist to us. But it was difficult last week before the holiday to miss an assortment of stories with those beloved anonymous sources saying that uh, Trump was regretting taking so much of warm time. I'm sorry, um, Jared Kushner's advice and may follow his instincts a little bit more. Well, so far we got the speech at Mount Rushmore. So far he's actually tweeted and I know it's just tweets, but if you learn, if you know anything about this guy in the White House, that's where it starts. The tweeting. It starts there, right? He's at least tweeting more aggressively and better on the virus. And now we see Mark Meadows. Maybe it's happened before. It's the first time, though, that I can recall seeing him in the, in the traditional posture of a chief of staff. The, the guy who's really setting the agenda of the white house who gets in and out what ideas get in and out who gets access to the west wing right he's he's the heimdall if you want to know what a chief of staff is in a traditional administration he is the heimdall of the administration all right i mean he he knows everything that's going on within the realm he can see it all hear it all and you don't get uh, back and forth in the rainbow bridge without him right he's in that's what he is he's the gatekeeper of of, of an administration's agenda access and ideology which is why i was so excited when the former head of the freedom caucus that i've interviewed numerous times in the past i was very excited to see him get that position and even said hey this is one of the most powerful positions a movement conservative has ever had in my lifetime anyway but there's but remember like a week or two ago i was like i totally forgot he had this job yes so praying Salt over the shoulder, avoiding walking under ladders, whatever, man, whatever's your jam, okay, okay, whatever it is, same socks, what was it, Wade Boggs used to do, eat fried chicken before every game, if I remember right, okay, whatever's your jam for the mojo, so Joe Boo smiles his countenance favorably upon thee, whatever it is, man, let's, let's hope that that's what we have seen here. But I would also say this to Mark if he were with us in the studio. I, while I appreciate we're going to have an affirmative agenda, in my opinion, and we'll debate this later today in the overtime, but just to state my opinion for now, if the country is not reopened, I don't think anything else matters. And here's why. The reason why is, you know, <laughs> there, was a, there, was somebody, there was a series of, of tweets I saw the other day and it was one of these stories again, where one of these uh, uh, anarchy, anarchy and Marxist lives matter uh, protesters or Antifa, white dweeb, communist. I, who knows? I mean, so many insurgents, so hard to you know keep them all straight. But one of them was beating somebody up in the street. I don't know if you did. You guys see this the other day? There was a lot of people on conservative Twitter tweeting out. This is what will happen. This is what it will look like. This is what Joe Biden's America looks like. Did you guys see this? 
I don't think I did. Did you, did you see oh, what I'm talking I've, about? Oh, I've seen tons okay. of stuff like that. Yeah, Joe Biden's America. Yeah, except it just happened right now in Donald Trump's America. So there's that. Again, we might like these lies we tell ourselves. They might be good for our business model. Right? I mean, we, we wouldn't be the first classification of human beings who rewarded people for telling us things that weren't true, but we wanted them to be. Is that, does that happen before in human history? Can you think yes, of a time? a few. Yeah, about 10 million. Right. So we would not be unique. Okay? Would not be unique. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is about um, a somewhat obscure prophet. I think, I want to say his name is Milkiah. Does that, does that sound familiar? And it's, it's, it's at the end of the reign of King Ahab, who is the worst, considered maybe him or Manasseh, the worst king in the history of the Jewish kingdom. And, and, and the southern and northern kingdoms are split, and they come together against a common enemy. And the southern kingdom, Judea, which is where they still go to temple, they are still worshiping God as he commands. Um, he goes up north to, to Ahab's court where they're going to seal the alliance to defend the 12 tribes against this foreign enemy. And the southern, uh, the king of the south, whose name escapes me, it's like he's looking around, man, and he's watching all of these grifters, okay, tell Ahab, dude, man, that's like the greatest hair weave ever. No one's no one's feathered their hair, hair better. No one's had a colic in their hair better. No one's been better than you. And the king of the south is like, eh, oh, yeah, that's not how we roll down south. I mean, down south, you know, we actually like to consult the prophets of the Lord before we go to war because we're not a, we're not in favor of getting our asses kicked down south. We 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 like we're a meritocracy down there not a kiss-assocracy, and we like winning, and we like the other side dying, not our guys. We want the uncircumcised guys dying. Circumcised guys live, uncircumcised guys die. That's the way we prefer to war down south. So, you know, we like to kind of consult the prophets of the Lord and know if it is wise for us to go to war. Do we have the most powerful being in the universe's favor or not? And if we don't, we tend to just sit this one out. And I'm a little concerned that... I'm seeing a lot of backslapping here, uh, but I'm not seeing a lot of prophesying. So there, there's got to be, a, hey, hey, is there at least one prophet Ahab that you have not killed in this kingdom for not telling you how great you are all the time? And Ahab says, all right, fine. There's one left. I didn't kill him. I just buried him in a hole. He's in a, he's in a prison cell. But I got to warn you, man, the reason he's there, this guy never tells me what I want to hear. So they send the palace guard down to get this prophet. And the palace guard like grabs this guy and says to him again, now your job is, you know what your job is to do? And he, I think he smacks him around even a little. Your job is to go upstairs, right? And you tell Ahab, man, he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. He's got it going on, right? And the guy, the prophet's like, I, I can only say what the Lord, the words the Lord puts into my mouth. Well, if you know what's good for you, man, you know, we got one more empty funeral plot out there, one more pine box out there, and it's your dimensions. I measured it myself. So if you know what's good for you, you're going to tell Ahab, he's LeBron, LeBron James, you're going to tell him that. 
All right. But he's like the homeless guy in the CNN video. Here I stand. I can do no other. Yeah, yes, just drop and trap. Yes. <laughs> so they take him upstairs to the court, right? Fine. And the king of the South like, finally. I, I recognize it. Sackcloth, ashes, disheveled look. You know, hasn't bathed in about a month. Finally a prophet. I recognize this. I can smell it a mile away. Finally, a real prophet here. All right? So tell us what happens. And the guy's like, Remember that story I once told you? I tried to get off the Detroit Lions and follow the Rams, and I just couldn't do it. Right? Yes. He tries to do this. This prophet tries to do this. He's like, yeah, you guys are great, and you get to go out there and just like kick ass and take names, and Team Ahab. Hashtag always Ahab. Hashtag. You guys are great. Could be great. Right? He tries. It's like his heart's not in it, but he tries, man. He tries to be the sellout. Ironically, it is Ahab who's not having it. He's like, gives him the proverbial, come on, man, come on. You never tell me what I want to hear. Tell me the truth for once. The prophet's like, all right. Thus speaketh the Lord God of hosts. Here's what I see. I see the sheep scatter when their shepherd is struck down. See, what he's telling him here is that he's going to go off to war and get killed. And when the king or the general, the officer was killed, that's why they were kept in the back for protection, right? In ancient times, if that, if that person was killed, then, you know, they couldn't get on the walkie-talkie and like bring in the backup brigadier general. Like the whole thing was would scatter, right? When you play chess, what's the piece all the others protect? The king. Where does that notion come from? Antiquity. The idea that if you took the king out, you win. The rest of the soldiers would be like, it's like you unplugged the battle droids from the main, you, you unplugged the main power unit and all the battle droids just shut oh, down. Oh, don't sell me this with a Star Wars metaphor. Don't <laughs> all right. do that. And lo and behold, they go out there to fight and that's exactly what happens. That, this is the end of Ahab's life. Right? And I bring up that story because we're telling ourselves right now if, if if Joe Biden wins, 40 million people will be unemployed. We have 37 million people unemployed right now. If Joe Biden wins, the border will be overrun. Well, right now, if you live in Texas, your governor's telling you to wear a diaper on your face outside where I believe it was 102 yesterday because Hidalgo County there on the border, which is 2.9% of your state's population, has had a 641% increase in new cases. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder, I wonder what, have any idea what could have, who could possibly be entering Hidalgo County on the border that would lead to such a spike in cases? And by the way, a county that's less than 3% of that state's population is responsible for more than 20% of the state's deaths. Is, is that where Chris Cuomo is shipping all the uh, nursing home patients I, I, now? <laughs> yes. Uh, they don't have a green card. Yes, you're right. Yes. We tell ourselves, hey, if, if Joe Biden wins, all these criminals are going to get out of jail. We, we already let them all. We let a bunch of them out. That was another one of Jared Kushner's bright ideas Trump did. Criminal justice reform, right? We, we did all that, right? See, we're telling ourselves this. Well, it's Jared Kushner's fault. The media won't let him. He takes bad advice. Mike Pence is a wuss. Anthony Fauci's bad. Right? Right? These are the... See, we, this is where we sit around in a circle, lift up a cheek, 
Fire went off mm. and look at each other like, yeah, yeah. Oh, gosh. Fruit Loops again? Really? Perfect. I mean, that's what we're doing. We're doing that to each other right now. Okay. I promise you, though, outside of our circles, outside of the, the consumer circle of our click whoredom, that's not how the rest of the country is going to think. If they did, you would have gotten a second term of George H.W. Bush. You wouldn't have gotten a second term of Barack Obama. This argument never works. Never works. Never works. He needs an affirmative case, Mark, if you're watching right now. You can bring China to its knees. If the American people are on their knees, you're going to lose, I believe. You can't run on, look how bad America will be if the other guy wins, when we can all see how bad America is right now. You got to fix this. You're not the challenger. You're the incumbent. You have to run on your record. It's a, it's a, it's a referendum on you. America's frustration right now is very much State Senator Scott Jensen's <clears throat> frustration. Yes. He's just like, what the hell, man? Although, what he, the he, hell? I'm glad you brought that up, though. Here's what, if, if Scott were here, I, I think he's looking at it the wrong way. This is a gift. Oh, it's an opportunity because to be he now he they're gonna they're so desperate to shut him up. See, they prefer to ignore Scott Jensen exists. Here's what here's what that letter told Scott Jensen yesterday. You made him bleed. Yeah, you you you, you you're taking casualties. That's what that letter told you, because in in their world, Steve Dace's, Scott Jensen's, Scott Atlas's, Oxford. Carnegie Mellon, Stanford, anything that doesn't fit into their narrative, they've shut of America down forever, at least until Joe Biden wins. They don't. They would prefer to to not have to acknowledge any of this. And they've right? been rather largely successful because yes, a lot they of people have. have never heard of that. Stuff. That's exactly right. I was talking with somebody earlier today in a high-ranking position in the sports world, high-ranking. Sharing with him some of the data we talked, we've been talking about on this show for the last few months. He'd not heard, seen any of it, none of it, man. And he's a, he's one of the guys who's going to make a decision whether you get sports back or not this year. Hadn't heard any of this. Was blown away. The fact that they're acknowledging Scott Jensen indicates he has landed punches. That's a positive. Yes, because they 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 realize now they have no choice but to allow him in through their Overton window to make his case and defend himself. Now, that's a win. I think that's a huge win. Actually, they'd prefer to just say, "Well, anything." If if a tree falls in the forest, if Scott Jensen says that to Laura Ingram on Fox News, it never happened, right? Yes, that's the world that they would that they get to live in. The fact that they have said now, all right, man, we got to deal with you. That's a positive sign in my view. Don't you agree? Oh, I absolutely agree. That's why I brought him up. Absolutely. We want this. This is the, See, this is, this is actually the confrontation and debate that we want. I know you've been trying to get on the head of our state teacher union here in Iowa to come on the show, right? Yes, and others affiliated. Yep. Yes. And, and I saw him tweet to you today, well, it won't be fair. He's right, it won't. But not for the reasons he says. You know why I won't be fair? Because he's going to actually have to debate and defend real data. Not just go on a panel where the host 
is completely sold out to panic porn because that's how they pay their bills. And they're, and they're asking and framing every question in the most favorable narrative for him. He would actually have to have a real conversation. And I promise you, I know the data better than him, and I'm going to kill him with it. He's right. And it's not because I'm smarter than the head of the Iowa Teachers Union. It's because I'm not a liar, and he is. That's why. I'm not a liar. The fact that they have to debate Scott Jensen, they got to acknowledge him, That's when you win. When the, when, the, when the Sanhedrin has to call Peter and John in to be heard from. They prefer just to ignore this ragtag sect out here who think they've, they, they know who the Messiah is and the smart people missed it. They prefer to ignore them. When they have to call them into their inner sanctum, though, and address them as equals... That's when you lost the argument. That's when the state of Missouri or the state of Minnesota has lost the argument. The fact that they recognize now they have to have one with Scott Jensen is an acknowledgement that they are losing the argument. Because if they thought they were winning, they'd be like Scott Jensen, wrecked and barely knew him. I don't know what that is. You want to know those two guys in California were right? Those two doctors, remember them back in May? The reason they had to silence them, because they were right. That's why. See, we've actually been trying to get this debate. We've been trying to get this data out there. I, I hope somebody, if somebody gets to Scott Jensen and says, no, man, you get the showdown we've been longing to have. Sweep the leg, brother. Go for the kill. More in a moment. If you haven't already made the switch to Patriot Mobile, their latest promotion might just be what you've been waiting for to get you off the fence. Right now, they're giving you a choice. Either a brand new phone or, if you want to keep your existing one, a free month of service. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative mobile phone company. They'll never charge you hidden fees. And unlike Big Mobile, they won't send your hard-earned money to leftist causes or groups trying to undermine what you believe in. Plans start as low as $25 a month, and their U.S.-based customer service team was just rated number one among all wireless providers. So get nationwide 4G service and unlimited talk and texting, just like you can with all the big boys, but without the hidden fees, and without them weaponizing your money against you. Switching is easy. Keep your phone number, bring your own phone, or get a brand new Motorola G7 Play. It's their biggest promotion all year, so don't wait. Take advantage of it right now. Call 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT, or go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. 972-PATRIOT is the number, or patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve. The name of the book, its title hits you right between the eyes. Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Its author, Abigail Schreier, is here with us right now on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Abigail, good to have you with us. How are you? Great. Great to be here. Thank you so much. 
So first of all, tell us why you decided to take on this topic. Do you have too many friends? Do you, do you, do you, you just couldn't quit social media yourself. And so you thought, what will get me instantly banned? And I really want friends and family member to call me less often. Um, and, exactly. and so what could I do to make myself a pariah? And you thought, let's write this book, right? I mean, that seems to be it. I, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't seek this out. I, I wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal that was actually very um, humdrum in a sense. It was about transgender pronouns and why they're unconstitutional in America under the First Amendment. The government, um, it, it's unconstitutional. The the laws compelling use of gender pronouns. You can't. The government can't make people say things in America under the First Amendment. And um, a reader wrote to me and she told me about her problem with her daughter. And she said there were there were parents all over the country who were going through this, that they were mostly politically progressive and that no journalist would take this up. And so I at first I, you know, I thought, well, this isn't really my area. And I tried to get another journalist to take it up and I wasn't able to. And at that point, I, I waited a few months, having passed her on to other other people. And at that point, I got back in touch with her. I said, all right, I'll look into this. And I wrote a, I wrote a piece from the Wall Street Journal on this in January of 2019. And, and then I was flooded with parents and doctors reaching out to me saying, this is exactly what we've seen going on, but no one will talk about it. Where did this come from? Because... Those of us that have been involved in the culture wars for a long time, I mean, it was as recently as 2011 that the that marriage amendments on that issue won 31 consecutive elections in America over over a decade. I mean, it took it took the gay rights movement decades to get to the place that they are at right now. This issue, it seemed like we got here in 10 minutes. How do you do? Do we know where it just blindsided us out of nowhere? Yeah, I think I think that it did sort of catapult. Generally, the transgender movement catapulted off the gay rights movement. Although they're extremely different, I want to say. But the 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 book that I wrote is about girls in mental health crisis who decide that they are transgender with without actually good medical reason. Um, they they really aren't gender dysphoric. Gender dysphoria is the the you know the condition of being very uncomfortable in your biological sex. They don't have typical gender dysphoria, but because of its rise in the culture and the availability, this has become the new anorexia for teenage girls in distress. Well, I think that's why I asked you about how fast this emerged because. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 47 here in a few weeks. I, I remember in school when Ritlin kind of came out of nowhere, right? In my in my era. And suddenly, you know, it used to be just call their old man and have him come get the kid and take him out back if he won't sit still for class. Suddenly it just became every little boy who's eight years old, shocking eight-year-old boys are in, instinctively don't want to sit still for eight hours a day inside a classroom, right? They, they struggle to do that. It was, uh, suddenly out of nowhere... Every one of these kids had to get drugged out of nowhere. Like there was no other solution other than written prescription drugs for everybody. And and I remember there were a lot of controversies about that when I was a kid. And doctors felt like they they couldn't say, "Hey, hold on a second here." You know, have you ever heard of boys uh, and boy behavior? And it feels like from the medical perspective, pushing back on the hey, I'm I'm a, what we used to call a tomboy. 
Well, you must have gender dysphoria. Well, you know, I'm really good at sports. Well, you must really be a boy. I mean, it, it, this, it seems as if this is being, you can't even offer a counter medical or scientific take on this. Um, there, and any other explanation other than you're just biologically in the wrong body means you must be some kind of a bigot. You've totally nailed it. So at the impulse to diagnose, especially with a mental health diagnosis, our young people is so pervasive today that that Gen X parents have put so, their Gen Z kids into so much therapy that these kids are convinced that they have a mental health problem, even with, you know, with what would normally have been considered just tomboy or normal adolescent discomfort in their bodies. And the girls themselves are looking to self-diagnose because that's what they're used to. And you're right. The medical professionals who don't think this is right, and there are many of them. I mean, really, the number of medical professionals who don't agree with what's going on is legion, but they they can't because of conversion therapy bans, which means mental health providers can lose their licenses if they don't affirm. Um, and the same goes with doctors. They're, the affirmative care, meaning agreeing with the teenager's self-diagnosis, has become the standard. Is this reversible? If we make, I, if people make these choices and then wake up one day, uh, a year, five, ten years later and realize, what have I done? Can they go back or is it irreversible? Okay, so some things are not reversible, but I do like to give these girls hope because more girls are expressing regret all the time. And it's important to know that there is life after medical transition. This is not the end of your life. There are things you can do to undo some of the things that have been done. But of course, if you remove healthy breast tissue, you don't ever get your breasts back. If you end up with a prophylactic hysterectomy, which is often the um, treatment after you've been on testosterone for five years, you can't have biological children. Um, and and you know, te- long-term testosterone use has all kinds of long-term risks on a woman's body, um, some of which are not reversible. Body hair, facial hair doesn't seem to be, um, and, and cardiovascular problems may result as well. And- and the smart people say 12, 13, 14-year-old children ought to be able to make these kinds of decisions? Right. There is a aspect of this which just so obviously flies in the face of common sense. We've somehow forgotten that teenagers are teenagers, that a 12-year-old is a 12-year-old. And and the disturbing thing about that is, of course, that, you know, the the people, the experts who study generations have pointed out, like Jean Twenge, who wrote iGen, she points out that teenagers today have never been so emotionally young. These are very, very young teenagers in term because they've never had any freedom, really meaningful, any meaningful freedom. So they are making these announcements like I'm transgender because they discover it online. They're they're not right. Very often they're completely wrong about their self-diagnosis, but they're taken so seriously by their parents, by the teachers, by the by the medical professionals. And they're rushed along to transition. And so not not surprisingly, a lot of them regret it. So we don't think they're old enough to to risk a nicotine habit that may cause them emphysema or lung cancer later in life. We we don't think they're old enough to be behind the wheel of a 2,000-pound missile. They lack the judgment, focus, et cetera, that would therefore put them and, and other people's lives potentially in their hands. They, they lack that. We don't think they're old enough to vote uh, and make decisions about who makes decisions. 
like the ones we're discussing right here. We don't think they're old enough to to risk their lives in a in a, in a uniform for their country. I, right? I could just go right on down the line. Right? Okay. They 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 they're not old enough to you know take a shot of of Jack Daniels or uh, you know of of their favorite vodka, but they are old enough to decide that I, I think I should mutilate my body in ways I may never be able to reverse when I am old enough to maybe consider the ramifications of these decisions. How that, is that anything right. is other little, than just evil? Yeah, it's a little bananas. And and the reason is because teenagers, look, we know this about teenagers. It's not just that they're prone to risky behavior. It's not just that their prefrontal cortex isn't totally developed. But we know that teenagers are much more likely than adults to engage in risk, risky behavior when their friends approve. And unfortunately, that's why this social mm-hmm. contagion has spread so much among friend groups, because when it's become fashionable for their friends to identify as trans, there's a lot of pressure for these girls to also identify and escape the, the you know, unwelcome um, identity of being just another white girl. The connection you make there, one last thing I want to ask you about, Abigail, because the incentivization angle here, right? So where we would have called this maybe tomboy behavior, and ultimately there would have been incentivization in previous eras uh, to eventually grow out of it and conform to heteronormative, right? Okay. We We now have gone so far the other way. You talk in your book about social media influence. The, the way that you are incentivized to, to, to go f- way down this rabbit hole because of the automatic acclaim, acceptance, notoriety that goes along with it uh, because of uh, you know, the way the culture promotes it. And then on an institutional level, you know, just a few hours north of here, Mayo Clinic, you write about the fact they will hand girls testosterone on an, on an initial visit. Not like you go through, you know, uh, weeks, make sure that this is really what you want on a first visit with informed consent, you can get testosterone treatment at, at a Mayo Clinic um, and it's nu- numerous other institutions around the country. Connect those dots for us. That's right. I mean, the thing to know is that, you know, people who are transgender or prior generations, um, you know, I interviewed a lot of transgender adults for my book and they went through a process. They went through mental health uh, oversight. And the reason they went to therapy before they were able to get these drugs is because transition is actually very hard. And also they might be, you know, have different mental health problems that have nothing to do with gender dysphoria. So we needed, you know, for every other condition, you need some oversight. But today, a young girl and the age of medical consent varies by state. A young girl, in Oregon, it is 15. But a young girl can go into a Planned Parenthood clinic at, 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 you know, many in many states at 18, decide she is gender dysphoric, self-diagnose and without even a therapist note or a single doctor agreeing with her diagnosis she walks out with testosterone that day what's the remedy here i think we have to wake up to the fact that girls are in distress that they have terrible mental health problems and that this is pure contagion this is not real dysphoria but there are things parents can do Parents need to get, they need to oppose gender indoctrination in the schools. There's just no reason to sow gender confusion in the schools. You can be compassionate to kids who are transgender without doing that. Um, Parents also need to get their kids off social media. We know that it's making our teenage girls very anxious and very sad. And, And 
parents need to also stop taking their daughter's sexual orientation and, and gender identity announcements at, at a very young age, 13 years old, so seriously. They don't need to pr- they don't need to announce it on social media for the whole world to see. And they don't need to do anything. I mean, they, that doesn't, you know, you can love your child without agreeing that they have gender dysphoria merely because they feel that they might. Name of the book, Irreversible Damage, The Transgender Craze, Seducing Our Daughters. Want to congratulate Abigail Schreier's mailman uh, this holiday season. He will not have to deliver nearly as many cards and other uh, holiday accoutrements to your home after uh, attacking this issue head on. Enjoy your pariah status, Abigail. Thank you for joining us today here on Blaze TV. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You bet. So, Todd, between you and I, we have six daughters. We do. Your reaction listening to that conversation? Well, her laundry list there at the end of things not to do, uh, to sum up, uh, don't be crazy, which sounds simple. Wasn't Uh, that my first rule yesterday? World number one of society, don't be insane. Yeah. Yeah. But, But we are. And it takes a fight to deal with this stuff within these schools. Uh, it is so pervasive, having covered a lot of those school board meetings myself before a transgender craze, but you could see it coming because of the smugness of the educrat class. And we, as parents, we simply don't remind these people enough, these kids are ours. And you are operating in loco parentis when they're there. And you mess with them, you mess with me. It's not more complicated than that. We need a lot more of that, but way too many parents. And, and a lot of it right now with getting back to school with coronavirus, they should be going back. It is the right place. It is the healthy place for them to be coronavirus rise. But a lot of people just want it back because they want the daycare. And then they just let the experts do the experts do yeah. what the experts do, just like Fauci did with coronavirus. That crap needs to end. They're your kids. Love them. Defend them. You guys take the conch back. You, as parents, you haven't had it for a long time and you know it. And quite frankly, you haven't wanted it very much. Aaron, can you quickly, as the younger generation here on the set, can you speak to just how much this, the younger generation is in need of the affirmation and sense of belonging that comes from social media these days? Well, I... From my generation, it's, I mean, there's even a change from my generation, uh, which I believe is Gen Y, to the Zoomers now, which is the generation that came after us. Those are real people now as well. To us, it was still kind of new, and it was still kind of intriguing, and we didn't quite realize how how much we were actually putting ourselves out there, and, you know, we were actually, you know, those things stick around online all of the time. So it was still kind of a new thing for Gen Z. They... Grew up. I mean, it was. Uh, we're about to talk about uh, Bain. I mean, they that we we merely adopted the social media. They were born in it, yeah. molded it's by their natural it. habitat. It's their natural habitat. So I, I think it's even more so with with the the, the next generation as well. And I, I just quickly before we get out of here, Adam Ford, who is the founder of Babylon Bee, is not a, he's not involved with it anymore. The lie, though, as a parent, that you have to believe in order to be totes cool, yo, with transgenderism, 
He uh, retweeted this from 1984. How can I help but see what is in front of my eyes? Two and two are four. Sometimes Winston, sometimes they are five, sometimes they are three, sometimes they are all of them at once. You must try harder. It's not easy to become sane. If it's not easy to become sane, how hard is it to become insane then? We'll come back. Hour two is next. Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre. And all of you at 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E, youtube.com slash Steve Dace is also where you can go to subscribe to our new YouTube channel, get uh, free samples of this show we put out there each and every day. If you like the show, if you wouldn't mind sharing it with others using those YouTube clips, that helps us to get the word out as well. Another thing that helps the show that you can help us with is if you leave us a five-star review. And subscribe to the podcast. If you're one of the thousands upon thousands that listen to the podcast each day, uh, you could join the thousands that have left us a five-star review. The more of those we get, the more it helps the show to grow. So please keep those coming. And thank you to all of you that have left us a five-star review already. Home Title Lock is concerned about the amount of time that we are spending at home right now. Because we're doing more work online, more of everything online, shopping, um, banking, everything. We're doing more of that online right now because of the pandemic, scandemic, whatever word we're going to call it. And we're going to show you the distinction between those two here in just a matter of moments. But we're doing more things online than ever before, which means our data is online more than ever before, which means we're more vulnerable than ever before. Here's one of the ways you're vulnerable you may not have considered. It's called home title theft. And the FBI has been warning about it now for well over a year. Because even if they can't steal your identity, cyber thieves can take ways that you identify yourself online and then they go online to where your home's title is kept because that's where most of our home titles are these days. They use that identifying information to say and claim they are you and then they make it look like you sold your home to them so they take over all of that equity and then start taking out loans and stick you with the payments, maybe even the eviction foreclosure notices. Your bank, your home insurance cannot protect you but this is what Home Title Lock does. And right now you can go to their website at Home HomeTitleLock.com, register your address to see and make sure you've not already been victimized at HomeTitleLock.com. And while you're there, use the promo code Steve to get 30 free days of protection to get you through this crisis. 30 free days of protection at HomeTitleLock.com. Again, promo code Steve at HomeTitleLock.com. Let's get to fake news or not. And this is going to be, I think, one of the more important fake news or not conversations we've ever had because we are at the point now that what's going on here is all narrative it's all political narrative and it's all fake and i'm going to prove it to you here in a moment as i walk you through this data you are seeing a second wave of panic porn that is far worse than the first and the reason being is we had data before or we have data now that we didn't have before before 
you know, we we had what China told us. Was it true? Was it not? We we could make some assumptions based on the laws of virology, immunology, biology. But if you wanted to panic before, you know, we'd not seen a coronavirus evolve from animal to animal and animal to human the way this one had. That's why we called it a novel coronavirus. If you if you wanted to panic before, there were some legit reasons. Now, I, I still didn't favor the panic then. But but there was at least a rationale for it. You, you didn't have to hate America. There, there were reasons to do this other than, you know, um, locking the country down so you can win the next election. There, there were other reasons to go to this place back in March that we eventually went. Except now we have all kinds of data that proves you're being lied to. I mean, one of the subtle ways you're being lied to right now, <gasps> Spain shows antibodies may not mean you're immune. Well, then why are we trying to develop a vaccine? What, what, what is a vaccine then? If antibodies don't work, then what are we doing anything for then? By the way, you were betting pro basketball in Spain last month, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they all dropped dead and I can't anymore. Yeah. So the, the Spaniards clearly were very, very concerned about the lack of immunity from antibodies. So concerned, they just finished their pro basketball season over there. So there's that. See, nowhere else in the world, folks, and I mean it, nowhere else in the free world are you being lied to about this virus like you are here at home. And I'm going to show you, beginning with this chart. This is the one chart to rule them all. Right here. I want you to get a very, very good look at that chart, Aaron. Leave that up there for just a second. Soak this chart in. This is the Bubba Gump shrimp of charts. You can fry it. You can saute it. You can boil it. You can boil it. All right? It is the ultimate chart. It takes us back to the very beginning of the media narrative of this virus, late February, through yesterday, July 6th. And on the blue line, you're going to see cases. On the orange line, you're going to see deaths. One of these things is not like the other. This is the difference. This chart right here is the difference between a pandemic and a scandemic. The pandemic was the deaths, right? I mean, the reason you shut your you don't shut your country down because there's a bad cold strain going around. By the way, do you know what kind of virus most colds are? coronaviruses but you don't shut a country down because of a bad strain of the cold why because it might be really bad but colds don't typically do what with people kill them kill colds don't typically kill people no matter how bad the cold season is so you you shut things down because this may kill all kinds of people and it has But if you look at this chart again, you're going to notice that it hasn't been killing that many people for the last couple of months. In fact, what you'll note is a precipitous decline in the deaths. Well, Steve, there's a lag time. Let's discuss that lag time, shall we? Symptoms usually show up five to seven days after infection for those who will eventually have them. Deaths usually occur within three weeks of infection for those who will perish. As you can see when you look at this chart, 
The arc for new cases begins to rise around June the 10th. See the arrow we put there for you? That's where the arc for new cases begins. That will be four weeks ago tomorrow. Four weeks ago. So we should already be seeing a subsequent rise in deaths within that three-week lag if we were going to. We should be seeing it right now. We should be in the middle of it right now. Instead, deaths have continued to fall. And in fact, they have plummeted 92% since their peak in April. That should be cause for celebration. Elation. Unfortunately, for some of our countrymen, particularly those that work in the media, it is dismay that they're not indeed living through an apocalypse after all. Have you heard this reported to you anywhere else? A 92% drop in deaths since we peaked in deaths in April, almost three months ago. And if the answer is no, well, then ask yourself why. Now, what about the dichotomy here? How can we be seeing a rise in new cases? A dramatic one, in fact. At the same time, we're seeing a dramatic drop in deaths, and we're in the middle of the lag time now where deaths should be going back up. The, the death chart should be going upwards, guys, right now. We're four weeks in to when the cases began to surge, and yet they continue to go down. How do we explain this? I think there's several possible explanations for this dichotomy. Number one, look at our testing. We are testing more than ever, over 600,000 people per day. Many companies are demanding at least one, if not two, negative tests before they're letting employees return to work. People are returning to hospitals and other facilities for medical care that was put off for the last three months. And then when you're there, you're getting tested, particularly in a hospital. So there's a distinction between being there with the COVID or being there because of it. Also, you have states like Arizona counts a positive antibody test as a positive case. Texas was doing this in the month of May, too. So you have states that are every time you test positive, if you keep going back over and over and over again to find out, am I through? Am I done? Some states are recording every one of those as a positive. It varies state to state. Number two, look at who we're testing. We are testing more younger and less at-risk populations than ever before. The median age of death in every Western country for coronavirus has been about 80. It's including the United States. 43% of all U.S. deaths were in nursing homes where only 0.6% of our population lives. So now that we are testing populations that are less at risk for the virus, you get more infections, more asymptomatic positives, and fewer deaths because the people we're testing now that we're finding out are infected are healthier. This actually helps us to get to herd immunity. Putting the younger and healthier people back in their homes is actually a detriment to our public health. See Sweden. It's also why all the other Western countries reopened. Because they recognized without, there's two ways to get to herd immunity. 
these there's only three ways to beat a virus. One, it just goes away like the first SARS did. It just went away. And at the end of August, it was gone. The second is herd immunity the old-fashioned way. The third is herd immunity, the, the vaccination, the, the, the new school way. But that's what vaccines are intended to do, to get us to herd immunity faster than we could on our own, to save lives. We don't have a vaccine. So we either need to, A, hope that this just disappears in the dog days of summer like SARS-1 did, or B, we need to get to herd immunity the old-fashioned way. Which, was, which is we need the healthier people out there risking exposure because there's more than a 99.5% survival rate if they get exposed. And then the more of them that get exposed that are healthy help to get the herd healthier and get the herd to herd immunity. Putting all, closing these bars and putting all these young people back at home is bad public health policy it's not science it's reactionary flat earthism the third factor to consider here cross-border traffic is the leading cause of the surge in new cases if you look at california arizona and texas county by county you will see the border counties are way overrepresented in their data way overrepresented let me give you an example Hidalgo County in Texas. It has seen a 641% surge in new cases. 641%. It accounts for over 20% of all the deaths in Texas. And yet, it's only 2.9% of the state's population. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has noted migrant workers are a leading cause of new cases in his state. Why does that matter? Because Mexico's healthcare system sucks. The only thing Mexico is better at than us, soccer and drug cartels. In their testing module right now, Mexico is reporting 50% positives. So we're not even talking illegals here, just the typical migrant worker traffic, people that have dual citizenship, green cards that work across the border, the cross-border traffic. If you look at the county-by-county numbers in those states... Look at the counties on the border, then look at the rest of the state. It's not even close. There's a massive chasm of difference here. That cannot be a coincidence, and it's not. And now let's look at the bigger picture here. There has never been a vaccine for a coronavirus. There's never been one. Which means the idea we're just going to hunker down here December, January, next spring. So the novel coronavirus we're going to just magically conjure up a vaccine for when all the ones we've been studying for decades, we've been studying coronaviruses for nearly 70 years. We haven't come up with one vaccine for the, one we've, the ones we've studied for 70 years. And you think we're just going to magically conjure one up for the novel virus that just got sprung on us in February and January? Look at the first SARS. They spent 12 years trying to come up with a safe vaccine for the first SARS virus. They could never do it. They eventually just gave up. 
Now, the good news is the epidemiological arc here that we showed you in that first chart, that arc is actually excellent news. That's excellent news. I mean, that ought to be like VE day, you know, VC day, victory over coronavirus day, that arc. Especially if it continues for another couple of weeks. If we get full bore into the new case surge and deaths continue to go down, that is excellent news because it means the virus is likely weakening the further that it gets into the population. And therefore, it is less lethal than ever before. That we can actually manage it now as every other industrialized nation, on, free nation on earth is currently doing. Every other industrialized free nation on earth is currently managing this virus. We're the only country that's not. Why? What, what incentive do we have? The world's lone superpower. What incentive do we have to wreck our lives that they're not doing in the European Union, for example? What would, the, what, what would incentivize us to do this? I can only come up with one thing. Sometimes Occam's razor is a female dog. We're just doing this to ourselves because of the election. We are killing ourselves with panic porn because of this election. This now brings us to this White House and President Trump. He possesses the largest bully pulpit on earth. We just saw how he reset the debate over rioting and patriotism on the 4th of July with his phenomenal speech at Mount Rushmore. Well, now it is time for him to turn that bully pulpit and target it at this panic porn. The worst fake news his administration has faced yet. He should be asking, where are all the dead Home Depot workers? Where are all the dead Costco workers? Where are all the dead truck drivers? Where are all the dead food deliverers? You know, the quote-unquote essential workers who still had jobs the last few months while 40 million of us were sent home? Hell, where's all the dead Blaze TV workers? We were all still working. He needs to be asking these questions. He needs to be using his bully pulpit to crush this panic porn. In my home state of Iowa, where's all the dead high school athletes who've been playing uh, spring sports for more than a month? Where's all the dead high school athletes? Where's all their dead parents? Where's all the dead officials, managers, umpires? Where are they? Where's all the body bags? If he doesn't start pounding on this with a singular focus... The left media, and he, does, and he has to do this soon. It's July 7th. Kids are supposed to be back in school in America in about six weeks. The clock is ticking. If he doesn't do this soon, the left media is going to succeed in keeping the country shut down just long enough for Joe Biden's dementia to win the presidency. This is the all-in moment right now. The White House has to defeat this right now we can hand you all the data we want me daniel horowitz jordan Schachtel, alex berenson name all the names team sanity all of our combined platforms can't hold the jock strap of the power of the bully pulpit of the white house we need a champion we will not be able to successfully push back on this on our own somebody with an order of magnitude platform must come forward with this data and squash this panic porn once and for all. And nobody has a bigger bully pulpit and more of a motivation and incentive, frankly, 
to use it than President Trump. Gentlemen, your fake news or not thoughts on that rundown? Well, this is uh, everything that lied behind me going as far back as March to tell you that if we could have chosen one pandemic, we would have chosen this one. Uh, we knew enough about the patterns early on to be able to project this kind of thing. I only wish we had tried uh, uh, having faith in these patterns earlier on because we would have been much further out of this all along. You need that clear-headed directive. It, And even when I said it early on in March, I had a genuine worry about it seeming harsh. It was a pandemic. It was killing people. It it was uh, scary for uh, particularly for a certain segment of people. But in times of war, you need clear direction to know that the cost you are paying at any given time is actually the easier way out. We're doing this right now, and it's going to hurt. And if because if we don't do this, it's going to hurt much worse later on. And because we're always pulling our punches in everything. We, we never, almost ever do that, pandemic or otherwise politically on the right. Steve laid as much out uh, in a conversation recently about just how the GOP uh, does business. But we've got to right now, as Steve said, do the same thing right now in that White House. And for Donald Trump, that yes, that means he's going to look like he's reversing course in some sense. But you know what, Donald? You reverse course all the time. You reverse course on this thing. You were very blasé about it early on. And then you call, I don't know, the silent killer. I mean, you've been all over the map. So why not one more time? Get on board. Just as Steve and many others have been calling you to do for a long time. And just let the numbers speak. There's so much data, Todd, that, I mean, I could do a nine-hour show. But I wanted to make as basic and simple of a presentation as I could. Like, for example, Florida. Florida's excess deaths. You know, Florida. Surging Florida. Smoldering ash Florida. Florida's excess deaths. Aaron told you this in the rundown. They still don't have the number of excess deaths in Florida that they had in the 2018 flu season. They still don't. State with the second highest per capita elderly population in America. There's so much of this data I, that eventually it would just drown you in it, that, so it would be ineffectual. So, what's the simplest, most basic presentation I could I could provide? It's the one I just ran down for you. And Aaron, I know a lot of our viewers and listeners have a question. I want you to know, man, I'm doing everything I can. Still, I got friends of mine now in the White House. They're ignoring me now. They've been ignoring me the last couple of weeks. They're sick of me. I texted one of them today. I know you're ignoring me, but I just care about the country too much, so I'm going to still pester you. Because our, our fate's literally in your hands. You have to do something with this. You're losing this battle. You're losing it right now. And if you lose this fight, it doesn't matter how many other ones you win, you're going to lose in November. I promise you. Now, we'll do an overtime later today. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty confident on this one I'm right. Kind of hard to argue you're the guy to save America when it's shut down on your watch. Kind of hard to make that argument outside of the people who are going to vote for you no matter what you did anyway. And, and, and people are asking me, Aaron, hey, why won't they get this? This is so obvious. The only thing I can come up with is Donald Trump is bound and determined to take credit for saving millions of people with the original lockdown, which is not true. They didn't. They didn't save millions of people. They, they just didn't do it. 
But as long as he wants to hold on to claiming on one hand, I saved millions of people by locking you down, because when he does by claiming that- Why can't that, you do both? Yes, by, by claiming, he by, by doing that, he's agreeing to the premise that lockdowns save lives. Yeah. That's the other side's argument. You can't win with the other side's premise. He's got to let that canard go because he can't argue both of these things at the exact same time. It's driving with the brake on. Yeah, and that was, I mean- Goodness gracious. I, I think I think the next best thing for him to do, though, is uh, sign an executive order for manufacturing to come back over to the United States. Maybe a, another executive order for pre- prescription drug prices as well. That's 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 really great. Now, goodness gracious, I, I don't understand why it seems like the, the White House is not interested or not privy even to these numbers. But good Lord, he had that tweet yesterday, I think. It was yesterday. Uh, We got to open up all the schools in the fall. And you look at President Trump's Twitter uh, Twitter feed, and, and most of Twitter, I would say, is probably left of center. Probably, probably left of center. Because it's a, it skews younger, and the younger you go, the more, more further left you get. And... Uh, that tweet got 300,000. Yeah. 300,000 likes. Most of his tweets get between 50 and 150,000 150, likes. I have a separate list on Twitter for all my Iowa Hawkeye follows and things like that, and just a kind of a separate feed for that. And uh, I have not been going there recently, but I still check on it every now and again just to see, you know, if there's any news because everybody there is just completely left of center. I just can't buy the panic porn and everything is racist all the time, but I still check it. There were multiple people quote tweeting that tweet and saying, you know, yeah, I, th- I you know, I just got to say it when I agree with him, actually, there is some crossover appeal to at least getting the schools open. And then, you know what? If we can go to school, why can't we play sports or go to church or anything, any, any of these other things as well? The win is right on the table for you. The win is right on the table. And by the way, I don't agree. I think the double-minded nature of Trump, I think he would be able to play both sides of this both just fine. Say, go ahead, go ahead. Take credit for saving millions of lives. That's not true. But take credit for saving millions of lives and say, we beat it. We're moving on. Why? How hard is that? But no, it's we saved millions of lives. And last week, we're going to do another coronavirus task force briefing saying, yeah, yeah, we're fine with Abbott ordering a, a, a ordering a state to wear a mask. And we're fine with press, press and pause on the reopen. No. OK, the, the best thing that Donald Trump does sometimes is actually playing both sides. But really, this is this is what this is where we are. At the end of the day. Donald Trump with this issue seems to be like Republicans with their own voters. Republican in mass, the Republican Party in mass really, really wants to have the constituency that they want to have, not the one that they actually have. Donald Trump wants to win the way that he wants to win, not with the win he actually has. And that's a problem. And he's not going to win. I, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I, I don't see any way for him to continue to say, eh, you know, be 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 namby pamby about reopening, continuing to be namby pamby about reopening. I, I just don't see a way for him to win unless he just goes full bore, open everything up. And on Twitter, at least his messaging is changing slightly here in the last 48 to 72 hours. And that's encouraging. But he's really got to do a sea change here real fast. Ty, do you have any further thoughts? 
Well, the, the school districts are deciding all across America right now between multitude of plans. Uh, you know, we've had to fill out surveys. Uh, everybody goes back, nobody goes back, or some hybrid where you go back a couple days uh, times a day. It, if Donald Trump allows the teachers' unions to put their thumbs on the scale as much as, and trust me, if you have any doubt that they're trying hard uh, and you're not Donald Trump, then it's not, a, it's just, it's just street justice that then you just deserve to lose. And I, I'll never stop. That'll, maybe by definition that sucks for the country because he's, he's just not them. But there, we, Steve, we know this. We, we, the dude code certainly just demands certain things. If you are willing to let the teachers union school you, it is what it is. He needs to have his CDC, and it's his CDC. He is in charge of the executive branch, right? Put out sane, sane guidelines for the kids going back to school. He needs to have his CDC. What other, you think they just did antibodies in in Utah and Missouri and Florida? That's not random at all. Yeah, that's not random. They just randomly chose Utah. No, they're, they're sitting on all kinds of troves of data. I promise you they are. And you're going to get it all around November 4th, unless he steps in right now. He, no, no, I want to see, the public needs to see it all. What do we have? Where's all the national antibody testing at? Where's it all at? You want to have another coronavirus task force meeting? Then the next one is just the antibody testing that the CDC has done around the country. And therefore, what that does to the case fatality and infection fatality rate of the of the virus. Back to work. Back to being in America. He's got to take the bull by the horns here and use the power of the bully pulpit. If he doesn't, they're going to run over him. You know why we buy so many supplements nowadays? Because a lot of the good stuff we need most from our food, vitamins, nutrients, antioxidants, prebiotics, probiotics, omega oils, a lot of that stuff is taken out. Why? Well, because they want to produce it cheaply for mass consumption and mass distribution, which means they need that food to have a long shelf life sitting in that box there on the store shelf. And if they keep all those living organisms and stuff in there, then you know the, the food will spoil faster and it costs more to produce it and then more to buy. So we kind of think we're getting over because we're buying food cheaply, but then we go out and have to buy these supplements because we're not getting the health from our food we need. And it's six and one half dozen of the other. Same thing goes on with our pets food as well with our dogs. Uh, that dry dog food that your dog loves so much, it's been probably stripped of all the good stuff he needs as well. And that's where Rough Greens Vitasmart comes in. It is not a new dog food, but it is a premium dog food supplement. You just sprinkle it on your dog's food that he already loves. And I think he's going to love it more because that's at least what I see with our dog Cap. He Cap loves this stuff. And right now, you can uh, try the new Jumpstart bag today for just $14.95 to see the difference in your dog in 14 days or less. Just go to roughgreens.com slash blaze if you want to take advantage of that for your pet. Roughgreens, R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's roughgreens.com slash blaze. Let's get to Pop Culture Tuesday. We look at the intersection each week between pop culture and conservatism. And over the weekend, I went and saw The Dark Knight Rises at IMAX at our local theater here in town. 
And Aaron, you've seen this movie recently, right? That is correct, yep. Tom, when's the last time you saw it? Oh, I'm sure I've tripped across it within the last two years on TV okay. and we'll just watched at least a good portion of it. It's the first time I've watched it all the way through in, in a few years, okay? And, yeah, I mean, The Dark Knight is in my all-time top 10. I mean, I, 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 the movie just on repeated viewing is every bit as great as it was the first time you saw it. This movie's not collectively as good, but I will say I think that maybe the last 15 minutes is even better than the final 15 minutes of The Dark Knight. I mean, the, um, the mass assault on Bane's forces in the city and all the stuff that goes on there. I mean, the last 15 minutes, a lot of this movie is kind of a slow burn to get you to those last 15 minutes and the last 15 minutes of this. You know, beginning essentially with maybe the last 20 minutes when he successfully makes the climb out of the pit. Beginning with those last twenty, that the last twenty minutes of this movie are just insanely great. This entire movie, though, made me uncomfortable at times because it is incredibly prophetic. I mean, it's like Christopher Nolan. And his brother Jonathan, who wrote, they write the scripts to the movies together. It's like the Nolan brothers went into a time machine to 2020 and concocted a story from the weaknesses of the hero to uh, the the motivations of the villain. I mean, it, it's like they concocted a pro, a prophetic story with with the Dark Knight Rises. The tale of it as a metaphor, a warning of what was coming down the pike in eight years. I, I could not believe, I mean, I I was like looking around, anybody else, am I the only one picking up on this? I mean, it was, it was distracting at times. I mean, let's start with the beginning of the film. And I'm assuming, given how successful the movie was and the fact that it's eight years old, I'm probably not spoiling too many things for people, right? I can't believe it's eight years old. Man. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been eight years. The, the beginning of the film is... It, it, we jump fast forward into the future, right? You go to the end of the dark night and they decide to make a political compromise, basically. That they think the people need a white knight to rally around. Um, and so they preserve Harvey Dent's legacy. People never need to know that he descended into madness as Two-Face. They preserve Harvey Dent's legacy by falsely, pragmatically pinning his atrocities on the Batman. And and then the, the Batman killed Harvey Dent to cover his tracks. And that's how the Dark Knight ends, right? Yes. We fast forward, I think it's eight years, um, and the Batman has not been seen this entire time. He's no longer needed because they've made this political compromise. And I just thought to myself, that's how a lot of us approach voting Republican. Just we'll make a compromise, you know, to win today. Vote for McCain, vote for Romney, right? Yeah. Make a compromise to win today. Mitch McConnell, Senate Majority Leader, Kevin McCarthy, Paul Ryan, House John Boehner, House Speaker. Win we win today. Win today. Just got to win today. Win today. 
Don't have any kind of a long-term view whatsoever. Make the political compromise today. Except what they don't know, and the, the metaphor that the Nolans draw here, that this is going on under the surface, so the evil comes from down below, right? The metaphor of that is powerful. And so while they think they have outwitted reality, they've outwitted the truth. At one point when he, when he, when he can't, when he realizes that this won't work anymore. Alfred even says to Bruce Wayne, maybe it's time to let the truth out and let the truth have its day. Because it's going to come out one way or the other, right? It's going to come out one way or the other. But, but no, no, the smart set, they're convinced the political class, they have concocted, and Bruce Wayne's a part of this, that they have hatched some master plan that, have, that has circumvented essentially the natural order of things. They've, they've outwitted, outlast, outplayed. They, this, that this wasn't a game of reality, it was a game of survivor. And they've, they figured out a way to outwit it. And when that starts cracking, it has an effect, as you know better than anybody in your career, on relationships. Yeah. Alfred and Batman Turn himself. on each other. Yep. Um, I love the, the tension between um, Commissioner Gordon and who becomes Ro- jo- Joseph Gordon-Levitt when they have that argument about right. to compromise. Robin Blake. Yes. Robin Blake, thank yeah. you. Yeah, because in the end, it, it seemed like a really smart thing to do until it was obvious that it wasn't, right? And those that weren't involved in hatching the plan could have told you all along it had no chance to be successful. I think you just said the status quo is the status yes. quo until it isn't anymore. Yes, but at that moment, the the desire to come up with the political solution for that moment... And the emotion that goes along with that, and the myopia that goes along with that, and the idolatry, frankly, that goes along with that. They, they just couldn't see five steps ahead. And then they, they thought that because organized crime was essentially gone in Gotham City, crime rates had gone way down. They thought that meant it worked. They thought it meant that it worked. Except... It was just all bubbling beneath the surface the entire time. And what was about to come from down below was far worse, far more destructive than the, the, the crime syndicates that they had, they had banished from Gotham City. Because this now was an existential threat. This wasn't, you know what, hey man, um, in the end, the, the drug lords were raising their kids in the same city that they were selling drugs in. They they didn't want their kids doing drugs. They just made sure it was sold in the neighborhoods they weren't living in, right? Mm-hmm. They at least had some boundaries. This is this was different. This was what comes from down below in its intent is to deconstruct their entire society. It is it is not to rule it. It is not to use crime in order to get an edge and then we get to sit in the luxury boxes at the Gotham City football games. No, no. And, and where it introduces itself to is at the football game. While the community is gathered in unity, enjoying their, uh, their peace and prosperity, this is where it comes to introduce itself and, and doesn't take any prisoners. And of course, it, it comes promising deliverance. 
Hey, we're giving it back to you, the people. Gotham is yours. It's a people's revolution. But it's a lie. The looting, the rioting that goes on in the city, it is sold originally as power to the people. But it's really being sold that by people who don't care about people. And their intent is to use that rioting and looting to destabilize the entire culture. So they can introduce what they want instead. Does any of this sound familiar at all? Yeah. The federal government, completely ineffective. Completely ineffective. A local warlord takes over a major American city for months. Now that seemed nuts eight years ago, right? I remember thinking at the time, that can't happen in America. Except until it did. We, we just saw a local, local warlord take over nine square blocks of a major American city for weeks. And it was called Chaz. Because they call all our bluffs. There's another scene yes. where the military guy on the bridge with the henchman yeah. of Bane and says, son, what makes you think I'm going to, what, you know. You're, you're, you're going to actually do it for us, is what he tells yeah. me. Yeah. You're, you're, we can't subdue all these people with just our little insurgent group of terrorists. You're right. There's 12 million people live in this city, but we're not going to. You're going to do it. Because we're going to detonate a nuclear bomb if you don't. So you're going to do it for us. So again, another political pragmatic decision is made. The idea that the most powerful military on earth in the history of this planet could locate and isolate this nuclear weapon before this small band of insurgents could unload it, unleash it, never even enters their minds. Right away, they just go right to the lesser of two evils right away. Well, either they, they're, they're, like there could be no other choice other than they blow it up or we, we, we are essentially uh, the henchmen for the henchmen now. They, they use the U.S. military to secure their own, uh, their own insurgent wasteland. The idea that there was a third option. Well, we, we could just kill all these guys and get to the bomb before they can set it off because we're the freaking U.S. military, right? Never even entered it in their minds. They just go right to the... And the president's on the screen in a day. Sucks to be you. Sorry. I, I mean... I, I'm just watching this man, and then, and first of all, I'm, I'm like enjoying the hell out of it because it's such a great movie. But it's making me uncomfortable at the same time. I mean, there are lines from this film from Bane that literally you have seen in your media in the last few months. Maybe not verbatim, but certainly the spirit of them. I, I just and 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 Alfred's warning: you're not willing to do what it takes to subdue a man like this you're not willing to do what it takes because what it will take is you have to be willing to lose your own life because you're up against that level of conviction this isn't the chaos agent that like the joker nor is this a, you know a, an opportunist like a gangster this is a jihadist you're up against a jihadist that's what you're up against this is an insurgency against your civilization. You don't ha you're not willing to do what it takes. It's going to take more than some gadgets this time. This guy will fight you to the death. Are you going to go there?
Are you going to that place? How many conversations have we had about the lack of conviction on our side over the last few weeks right. and months? I, I mean, I just watched this, man, and it blew me away how prophetic it is. In fact, even talking about it, I want to go home tonight and just watch it again and just see I'm just like, I sit there a lot of times in the IMAX, not just because the screen and the sound was great, just going like, I was like gobsmacked half the time watching the movie. Matthew Modine's cop character, he's like yes. the poster boy for everybody. Yep. Like, I, I, I'm i out. And, yeah. and from, again, and before coronavirus, before race riots, just if things get a little too hot, that's for somebody else. You, that, that's the gated community effect. He puts himself in his own little gated community and says this, you know, I, I just don't, I, I don't have the time. I don't have the inclination. This is for somebody else to do. So I want to challenge you with something here really quick. But first, let me tell you about real estate agents I trust. Because if you want to go into a housing market, especially one as uncertain as this one is right now, anytime you need an agent that you can trust, but especially right now. So where are you going to find them? Because they're all going to talk a good game. Right? Nobody, if you go look for an agent on their website, they're not going to say, I suck at this. They're not going to put that on their website, guys. Right? So, how do you know? And that's why Real Estate Agents I Trust was created to, to go through that vetting process for you. And you can rest assured their names don't get listed on the site, on their national database and registry, unless they have a proven track record of success. So, if you're going into an uncertain real estate market, make sure you do it with a real estate agent that's all in for you. And you're going to find them at realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, the name kind of says it all. realestateagentsitrust.com. One more time, realestateagentsitrust.com. So, here's my challenge to everybody watching and listening today. I dare you to go watch this movie right now. Sometime today, tomorrow, next 24, 48 hours. I dare you to go watch The Dark Knight Rises and tell me if you're not a wee bit uncomfortable watching this because it is all of our phobias, psychoses are the, are the plot of this movie. Aaron, you were telling me when you and uh, the missus watched it recently, you guys were like, Aren't we watching movies to get away from all this? Should we not turn it off? Because it felt like you were watching the news play out. Yeah, no, it, it, it totally was. You know, the, the, the Dark Knight itself, um, you know, that, that hits close to home. Just just the Joker character hits close enough to home that it's like, that's just kind of, this is kind of scary. The Dark Knight Rises is like, oh, this is home. Uh, this is where we live. Right. I'm, it is, it's, it's super, super creepy. And I remember that that movie has actually aged well. I remember walking out of it just because of the expectations that The Dark Knight uh, had on on you know had on all of us, uh, or placed on that movie, and and just the impact it had on uh, all of us who enjoy these types of movies. You know, I was a little bit underwhelmed with The Dark Knight Rises. I remember going to see it on on opening night. This is probably the first time I've actually watched it in its entirety since then. And my goodness, yes, it's aged well. It hasn't aged good, but it's aged well. Yes, it's aged uncomfortably well, as a matter of fact. All right, that's going to do it for today. We're going to stick around and do some overtime. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.